welcome once again to the E-Bone Zone, as I invite you to sit back, relax, and listen for the 302nd time on this Friday, September 16th, 2022. I hope you enjoy this week's episode, The Faces of Wealth. With the death of a royal comes a lot of changes, the most obvious being who's head of state and who sits on the throne of a country. In England's case, it will now be Charles III, son of the late Queen Elizabeth II. Something that's really interesting and different about how they do things across the pond is that with every monarch's replacement, they change the currency, or at least the faces on the currency they use. Whereas before, a note had Elizabeth's face on it, it will now have Charles smiling back at you. Or at least, that's how it's supposed to work anyway. Some Australians, though, they think it should be different. A debate recently started on Twitter about Steve Irwin. You know him, the crocodile hunter. He's a national treasure. People are saying that they want his face on the $5 bill instead of Charles. Even going as far as to Photoshop a version of the note looking how they imagine it, and doesn't look all that bad if I'm being honest. Steve isn't the only suggestion, though. Other users have suggested fictional characters, animals, and... Even food. Though it's a cool thought, the central bank said that there won't be any changes to the money soon, so I guess we'll have to wait a while before we see if it pans out the way they're hoping. But can you imagine how cool that would be? Even if it's not forever. A limited edition Steve Irwin $5 note. It would be a collector's item in no time. Are you kidding me? People would be all over that. And even me. I don't even know where you would get an Australian dollar, but... I'd want one of those. This week, I would like to continue a tradition that I hold very close to my heart. I try and offer a good Christian podcast, so I thought I would begin sharing a new Bible verse each week. This week, I would like to share a verse from the book of Psalms. Psalm chapter 147, verse 3 says, He heals the brokenhearted and bandages their wounds. This verse is speaking to the fact that Jesus heals the broken. Jesus comes to the broken in their time of need, and he can heal them from whatever they face. If you are brokenhearted right now, friend, Jesus can heal you exactly as he healed Israel. Yes, the children of Israel wandered in the desert for 40 years. Yes, it was hard. Yes, it was tough. Yes, they had no idea what was coming next, but God always provided. He was a pillar of fire by night and shade in the day. He always was with them. He's always with us in today's time, in our time of brokenness, in our time of brokenheartedness, in our time of sorrow, whatever it is. If we lose our job, if we lose our finances, if we lose our family, if something goes wrong in marriage, if something goes wrong in relationships, whatever that is, God never fails us. God is always with us, exactly as he was with us the children of Israel then, he is with us now. He bandages wounds and heals the brokenhearted. Let's break down some of these phrases, starting with, he heals the brokenhearted. What does that mean to be broken in heart? Well, according to one commentary on this verse, it says that either with the sense of sin you're brokenhearted or with the sorrows of this world, because let's be honest, this world is a tough place. It can get you down. But 
The good news is Jesus can save you from all that. Jesus can rescue you from the brokenheartedness of this world, from the things that the world does to keep you down. When the world beats you to your knees, just turn your eyes to Jesus and he will pull you up and he will say, you're not done yet. You're not out of the fight. With Jesus, there is always more left. He will never leave you nor forsake you. He always has your back. And because he always has your back, he will mend your wounds like he did for the children of Israel. He gave them manna from heaven. They still complain, but he provided He provided a way out of that situation. And out of your situation, he'll provide a way as well. If your situation seems unfavorable, all you need to do is just look to Jesus. Don't look at the problem in front of you. Look at Jesus. Because if you look in the problem's face, that problem is going to stare right back at you and it's going to seem too big to fight. But if you look at Jesus the problem fades away. Yeah, the problem's still there, but that's not where your eyes are focused on. You're focused on your main lifeline, your main joy line, instead of what's trying to take your life and your joy away. Focus on Jesus today, friends. He'll always mend your wounds. Sometimes the internet can be a pretty cool place. Other times, well, Not so much. And that's why I've taken it upon myself to dive back into the depths of Twitter to see which side of the coin we're presented with this week. This week's hashtag is Odd Sleeping Habits. The first response to the hashtag Odd Sleeping Habits is sleeping on a bed of ales. Hey, I mean, that's probably better than the alternative, sleeping on a bed of nails, but if you do slip off the bed, one of the bottles might break, and then you'd be in bad shape. Now, as far as making a bed out of one of the kegs, that might be really cool. You might have me on board with that, but you've got to be specific. In what way are you talking about this? Are you talking about the actual bottles being made in the formation of a bed? Because I can't see that being all that comfortable. I mean, if you made the bed out of bottles and then put a mattress on top of it, yeah, that might be cool. But then the other side of my brain says, okay, that's obviously talking about making the entire bed out of bottles, no mattress at all. The actual bottles are the mattress and even the pillow. That would be uncomfortable. That would be very, very hard to sleep on. So if that's the case... I think I'm going to have to stick to my regular vanilla bed. That's that's a no from me. The next response to the hashtag odd sleeping habits is awake in bed wondering where the toy train from the yard sale when you were nine ended up. You know, there's a lot worse things you could be thinking about at 2 a.m. Come to think of it, what did happen to that thing? Now you've got me curious. I need answers. Our third response of the day says actually sawing logs. Now, if you're familiar, that's usually what people call snoring, but let's chase this rabbit down the hole for a minute. If you've got somebody in the bed beside you actually doing carpentry, I'd at least tell them to go to the other room if it's necessary to get that done tonight. Because, after all, you need your eight hours, and refining the edges on that last dining room chair can wait. And the last response of the day reads, Too close to the edge. You know, if that's one of your odd sleeping habits... You need pillows. That's what I've said for years. You need pillows to keep you corralled because 
Well, what if you fall off the bed? What if you get too close to the edge? Or if you dream you're a log and you start rolling and rolling and rolling and rolling, and then you imagine you're going down a hill, and then boom, you wake up, you're on the floor. I've said this for years, pillows help. If nothing else, they at least cushion your fall when you have dreams like that. Or if you like me and you did it when you were a kid because you had a legitimate fear of falling off the bed, but now you're in your 20s and you still do it because it's, well, more of a comfort habit than anything, you know what? There's different reasons for different people. I don't know exactly what yours are, but I'd still recommend it. RVs. No, they're not just for Robin Williams movies and well-to-do families who like to get away every once in a while, and they're not exactly new either. Recently, it was found that the oldest known one is up for auction now, and it's based on a 1914 Model T and built on a modified chassis. It's got a cast iron stove for heating and cooking, a leather couch that flips around so you can easily engage with people in the living area when the vehicle's parked, and it has a mail slot, too. Here's the deal. This thing was unused until the 70s when it was touched up by a cabinet maker and they made it fully operational. Even a few magazines wrote about it, specifically Motor Caravan magazine in 1987. And the link to that article is in the description, by the way. But back when motorhomes were first becoming popular, the Pierce Arrow Touring Landau from 1910 sold for $8,000. And if you take the time to adjust for inflation, that's about $250,000. Another interesting fact, that's about 10 times more than what this 1914 version of an RV is expected to go for. So that's about $25,000. I'd say whoever buys it is getting off easy on it, but in this situation, you got to weigh the pros and cons. Here's the question. Would you rather spend that money and get an antique that's a good conversation piece, or would you rather spend a little more and get one you could take places without worrying about having to be too careful? That's something you got to work out for yourself, I guess. Thanks for listening to this week's episode. I'm really glad you could make it, and I hope you enjoyed the festivities. If you want to stay connected to the show, I'd invite you to pop on over to Facebook or Twitter and give the page a follow. Just search Ebone Zone on Facebook and Official EBZ on Twitter. If you're new, don't forget to subscribe so you never miss an episode. Until next week, my friend, God bless you, stay humble, and remember, keep an ear out.